0: The show! You have all made it
1: through the damn You have all made it, made it,
2: made right, 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 it. Coming to you from the X Access. It's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the
1: John of All Trades Podcast, episode 310. I'm your host, John X. Thanks for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. Denver Film Festival 44. What a great time. What a great bunch of people I got to meet there. And I've got a couple more in the hopper. They're going to be a little bit further down the line. But that's not what we're talking about today. What we're talking about today is the documentary, The First Step. I'm joined by director Brandon Kramer and Pete White, who appears in the documentary. And Pete is the executive director of the Los Angeles Community Action Network. And going into this interview, I didn't know Pete was going to be there, but I was so happy he was, because as a participant in this documentary, he provides unique insight here. And if you're unfamiliar with The First Step, it follows around Van Jones, who was a former nominee for a position in the Obama White House. You've probably seen him on CNN, or at least heard about him. And Van involves himself in issues of cultural importance. Now we follow Van around as he seeks solutions for prison reform. And solutions for dealing with addiction. Both thorny issues, both very complicated. And what Van does is he brings together a coalition. It's like a bipartisan coalition of people looking to solve this issue. Or at least move in the right direction. You're never going to fully solve it. Especially not with one act in Congress. But you can get there. That's why this is called the First Step Act. Now it's interesting in this. Because I didn't know a ton about this going into it. And I did not expect to see, say, Representative Hakeem Jeffries from New York and Senator Mike Lee from Utah on the same side of an issue. I did not expect to see Jared Kushner here, nor Kellyanne Conway playing prominent roles. Least of all, I expected Kim Kardashian to show up. As I was watching this, I go, oh my goodness, I actually remember this now. And I note in this interview that during the Trump years, there was a lot of noise coming out of that White House. Whether you agreed with Trump, whether you despised him, whether you were ambivalent, the noise and the volume of things coming out of there was undeniable. So it was hard to remember specific things that happened unless they were like the above the fold headline types of things. And so digging into this and seeing how you build a coalition and seeing how when you do anything political, and I note this, I had a former guest on this show run for Denver City Council and he said, the people you think are going to be with you are not the people you have no expectation of being with you, are. Politics is always surprising. And as you watch Van try to bring together a group of folks to enact some good in terms of prison reform, it's fascinating to watch the way the coalition moves and ebbs and flows and some of the odd bedfellows that this creates. Now, I'll tell you, my favorite part of this documentary was watching a coalition of people from South Central Los Angeles And a coalition of people from rural West Virginia get together, get a snapshot of each other's lives in West Virginia and in Los Angeles and learn from each other. They learn, they grow. It's fascinating. It's absolutely one of my favorite things. And it bears mention something that I try to do on this show. If we can understand each other just a little bit better, the world becomes less unknowable. It becomes less scary. And if we can get on the same page, and if we can experience empathy in even a small way, then we're doing some good here. And I think that's what this documentary is about. I enjoyed my chat enormously with both Brandon and Pete, and I recommend this documentary highly. Now, a quick plug, johnofalltrades.us is the website. You can go on the tab on top, it says Podcast Episodes. You can see every episode I've done from every Denver Film Fest I've attended. I have more than 350 total episodes. Dig into the archives. There's going to be lots of good stuff. I have filmmakers, I have politicians, I have people working in nonprofits, I have community activists. There's an absolute ton of stuff there, so feel free to get in there, dig into the archives, you'll find something you enjoy. Additionally, if you want to stay up with me on social media, J-O-A-T pod is the handle. That's across platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. Now then, got a great conversation here with Brandon Kramer, Director of The First Step, Pete White, Executive Director of the Los Angeles Community Action Network. They're both talking about The First Step, a film after my own heart. Thank you, Denver Film Festival, for having me. Episode 310 starts right now.
2: Actually, a teaching artist for the Kennedy Center about 12 years ago and taught documentary filmmaking at a middle school in Denver. So lived here for a month taught a group of kids how to make a, a documentary and got my start kind uh, of here in Denver. So it's good to, yeah. good to be back.
0: Yeah. Denver's definitely uh, been good to me on this trip. I've been up, you know, back and forth between Denver and LA, um, more than a few times. And it's, uh, it was really interesting. The altitude did nothing to me this time. <laughs> really, so I'm like, am I really from Denver now? What's really going on? But no, Denver has been great. The people have been great. The hospitality has been just amazing.
1: That's great. I, that's, I always like to ask that because I'm a Colorado native. And so the way my city is felt or experienced by people is something that matters to me because I always like to check in too because the vibe can change here. And I would say it was after Obama did the DNC here and they filled Mile High Stadium with his acceptance of, um, of the nomination that everyone goes, that seems like a cool city because then it got real expensive around here pretty, <laughs> pretty fast.
2: Yeah. And you know, Denver, showing our film here in Colorado, I think has been, you know, on our minds for a while. This is a film about, you know, working across political divides in the country. Colorado, you know, is a purple state. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, maybe not Denver, but <laughs> it, it, it it is a, it is a state that can go blue in some communities, red in others. Um, it's also a state it's, you know, from what I understand, Denver is also a community that's dealing with a lot of the issues in our yeah. film. So really Really happy to be here with you know with this story. I think it's an important place, important audience to be seeing it.
0: And I think the other thing that's really interesting because one of the threads in the film, you know, it's really about reform, criminal justice yep. reform and addiction, right? And so when I think about Denver, Denver is one of the very first places in the country, if not the very first place, that legalized marijuana, right? And yeah. so you know, it's it can be red, it can be blue, it can be many things, but it's also first, right? <laughs> um, in terms of seeing marijuana usage in a more liberal way, and so I'm really excited to have this conversation about addiction and opioids and all these other things here in the city.
1: Well, Pete, uh, I don't know if you know this, but Denver County or Denver City and County also decriminalized magic mushrooms.
0: That so, I did not know, John.
1: Yeah, that, uh, that also happened recently and they just released a report. Um, there's been, I mean, it, it'd be pretty hard to overdose on mushrooms, but <laughs> it, it represents something like 0.2% of all police calls. Hmm. And so it's not legal, but it's also decriminalized. Right. So Denver was also looking for safe injection sites for a while. Yep. Um, it's, that's always a battle. I mean, that, it, it, it's part and parcel to why we're here, but this is Brandon Kramer, Pete White, They are the director and a participant, a subject, how should we say it, of the first step, a documentary I had the privilege of watching and really, really enjoyed. So it's great to get you guys to be here. As I mentioned to you, I am a—I have a history in working politics, working in campaigns, and I would say watching the sausage get made here on the first step act was both harrowing and it was frustrating at times. But also really rewarding once once that got across the finish line. So how has the reception been so
2: far for you guys? Uh to reactions to the film? It's been great, John. Um, you know, we're right now in the midst of a twenty-five film festival tour with the film. So uh my brother Lance and I, Lance is the producer on the film, I directed it. We're we've been traveling literally all across the country. We've been to twenty plus states, um, some red states, really rural, small communities, some urban, you know, uh, uh, blue communities and really, well, well, given the way the film went, I'd be wildly disappointed
1: if you didn't, <laughs> right? <laughs> because I mean, that's, that's probably my favorite
2: thread in the film. And, and we'll certainly touch on that, mm. but absolutely keep going. Yeah. It's so it's, you know, it's, that was one of the important things with us with, with making this film that we show it on, you know, in, you know, geographically, racially, politically to a wide array of communities and, the reception has been great. And, you know, I think the film has played particularly strong in communities where you've got, you know, a mix of liberal and conservative people that live in proximity. You know, we showed it at the Bozeman International Film Festival won the audience award there, because in the audience, you've got people standing up saying, I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat. This is how I feel about this story. This is how I feel. And so the film is starting to elicit a conversation, a really important conversation where you're having people on both sides of the aisle discuss debate, um, and have critical conversations around how we come together and work across these, these lines. Absolutely. Pete, have you been to all these with him? I have not. (laughs) I do
1: not have the time, nor do I have the desire to go to all of those states. But
0: I mean, I went to mammoth. I was at the mammoth uh, film festival and the reception was huge. Right. Yeah. Um, and like Brandon said I, when i really think about the film it it's a film that elicits conversation and it create it helps us amplify these very tough issues mm-hmm. right that you oftentimes don't want to have around your dinner table and you're not having in your city council or your county chambers right, right. And so we're hopeful that the film can be used as a tool sure. right to have these conversations about where we need to go uh, as the United States on
1: these issues. 100%. It reminds me of something. There was a TED Talk that he's been on my show two or three times. His name is Alan Brooks, and he's a graphic artist and uh, a comic uh, makes comics. And he did a TED Talk that said, in times of crisis, does art really matter? Mm. And one of the things he comes to is he says, art always matters, and you should continue making art, particularly in times of crisis, because if you think about dictators, what's the first thing they do? They go in and they destroy art. That's right. Because art can change people's minds in a way that having a wonky policy discussion can't. And so, to that end, this documentary that's very engaging, very breezy, took turns that I really wasn't expecting. Mm. Can ignite a conversation in ways that the traditional things can't. So, I'm curious. First of all, a rote question: How did this documentary come up? How, like, because seeing Van work through all of these things. I was wondering, I like I couldn't help but think, why is the camera there, right?
2: So can you talk through the origin a little bit for me? Yeah, in 2016, so I had no I knew Van for many years before we started this film. Uh we had wor- I'd worked on a, a documentary series profiling Van having really hard conversations with Trump supporters in the lead yeah. up to the 2016 election that was called The Messy Truth. And um after Trump was elected, Van sat down with me and my brother and basically said that he was going to spend the next 4 years uh doing everything he could to advance the cause of criminal justice reform of resources for the addiction crisis under Trump and he was going to do everything he could to work and engage with conservatives engage with the Trump administration wow and as a documentary filmmaker you know I felt like there are very few uh, leading activists who were going to step across the aisle and yeah. take on that perilous journey of trying to engage and build bridges with an administration that was causing so much harm. And I felt like no matter what happened, it would be a critical story. It'd be a critical historical yeah. document for the public to be able to see, you know, what does bridge building look like at such a toxic and polarized moment? Well, it's, it's interesting because
1: the very first line I wrote this down, the very first line of the movie is, Hey, Van, are you still a communist? Which to me felt like a question like, when did you stop beating your wife Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways? Mm -hmm. Because he walks into CPAC. And yes, at one point he was an avowed communist. I doubt that he identifies under that label now. I don't know. But he walks in and I'm like, oh, dear. Okay, so we're in for a bumpy time here. (laughs) Pete, how did you come to be in Van's orbit?
0: I mean... Van and I go back uh, quite some time, and you know, it's interesting. Let me go back first, John. Yeah. Uh, Something that you were talking about art. Something I always say is that art has no address, and that's what Mm. makes art such an explosive tool, right? You can't, you can't sort of, um, place art in a corner and say that's the destination for art and nowhere else. And so this film becomes <laughs> like important because art has no address. I mean, I remember Van, so Van and I as young organizers, we were at this thing in Chicago. Van had, he had dreads at that time. I probably had longer hair and I had some hair. I know <laughs> the audience can't see it uh, at that time. And and I remember Van, and I still picture Van and think of Van as an organizer, right? Uh, Not as an activist, as an organizer, someone who's really been dedicated to building and developing organizations that reflect and embody the will and spirit of the constituency, whatever that constituency may be. And so, you know, Van's been through the White House, but before Van went to the White House, he started a number of organizations that are still very powerful and, and very relevant. And so when Brandon and crew uh, came to me, you know, this film was made during turbulent times and Vans sort of um his strategy and tactics weren't all that well received on the left
1: uh, right? to say the least.
0: Right. And so <laughs> like even even showing up at CPAC. And so Brandon comes, he pitches the, the, the documentary to me and. I will just say, I hazed Brandon. I was like, "Yeah, I don't <laughs> know if I want to be in that documentary, right?" Because yeah. I'm a movement guy, movement leader. I'm an artist, right? We have a brand, uh, a movement brand that we're yeah. trying to create as well. And we went back and forth, back and forth. And I was like, "Yeah, I know Van. I know his spirit. Bring me in. You, um, you know where his heart is. And I know where his heart is. Yeah, I know. Sure. I know." what he wants. The other thing that's really clear, you know, for anyone who understands the political work movement work or the history of movements, there's never been a movement that was just smooth sailing. There's never been a movement where there was not disagreement. Right. But the best movements sort of keep their dirty laundry (laughs) out of public view. And so, yeah, that's how, that's how I got in and, here we are today, we're at film festivals talking about that.
1: Well, Pete, a follow-up question to that is when this thing was getting close to the finish line, there was some discussion, you know, in South Central about do we go to this White House or not? Am I endorsing what this White House is doing? And I can't remember off the top of my head where you fell on that, if you went to the White House or not. But I know I know there was some discussion. What what was the tension like when you were having those discussions?
0: I mean, so I think the great thing about um, this film is that we never attempted to avoid tension. We yeah. never ran away from tension. We put it in the middle of the table, right? For all the reasons I said a second ago. Sure. You know, it was us. It was Van. Uh, it was the whole team. Right. In the room. Mm -hmm. And it was, to me, the one of the truest attempts at consensus building that we know. Right. And and if you're if you're in this space, consensus merely means everyone gets to air their opinions. Right. And, you know, it was exhaustive. But at the end of the day, um, I could not. I was one of a few people that could not go inside of the Trump White yeah. House, right? Um, and I was very clear on the reasons why, Absolutely. right? One, I had already seen a number of African-American leaders go into the White House and get used for going there, right? Or I would say getting used or use themselves for going there. The other thing for me uh, with the first step both philosophically and realistically, we're in a country 400 years ago that enslaved black bodies, mm-hmm. right? And we can't be in a discussion talking about first steps 450 years later. And that first step cannot leave folks out. And so you're a political guy, right? Yeah. And so if you read the First Step Act, there are a couple of things that just did not – Sit well with me and would not allow me to move forward. One of those things was its stance on immigration. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we'll look at a, a, a variety of crimes, but immigration won't be one of them. Interesting. Right. And so now. What does that say to immigrants from Central America, immigrants from Africa and other places? If I'm bodying up and these are folks I'm in coalition with saying I support this act that leaves you out. Yeah. No way. No way. Not on my watch.
2: Understood. And I, and I think, you know, I'll just say, um, you know, I give Pete and all five of the folks from Los Angeles a lot of credit because those conversations were really, really tough, you know, yeah. and they – And, you know, we talked about it and Pete was like, look, we want to, we want to talk with Van about whether or not we're going to go, but we really don't want the camera here. We don't want you like, we want to have an authentic conversation. We had many conversations to get to a point where we could have the camera in the room. Um, and you know, my promise to you was, you know, I'm not going to sensationalize this. I'm going to show it, you know, as it was. And the reality of that, those spaces were, there were five people you know, all from Los Angeles, all doing really critical work, but with five very different opinions on it. You know, uh, you know, Noreen was very in alignment with with Van, very supportive of you know taking that step, you know, to to engage with Kellyanne Conway to talk with her. You know, um, Fabian and Tylo maybe were a little. Little, they seem to be, a be little, on the fence. They so were fencing. The fence, but, yeah, yeah. 100%. but then both leaned toward you know going, and and yeah. eventually there was three 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 people from Los Angeles and the entire West Virginia sure. cohort that that walked in in the door with Van that day.
0: That's what I was gonna say though, because we're you know we of course we're talking about L.A. We're not going, but West Virginia is in that conversation as well. West Virginia is in L.A.'s you know some of the L.A. participants' brains, right? Because by this point, by this point in the film. Real relationships are happening, right? Yeah. And this is post going through West Virginia, seeing the Confederate flags, right? This is past. This is post some of the tears and some of the uh the very real tension about we support Trump, West Virginia, we don't support yeah. Trump Los Angeles, right? Um and I think they were as well in the room on some of those conversations, right? They weren't in the room physically in Los Angeles, but they were definitely in people's minds.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Their presence weighed on your, your consciousness. That's right. At that point. Yeah. That makes good sense. Uh, Pete, how did you feel about the folks who did go? I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, absolutely. I don't want to go, but did that change your opinion of the folks who did?
0: Not at all. Not at all. Not, not in any way. Right? Doesn't, you know, I have my strategy, right? I have the base, um, that I'm duty bound to represent. Um, but that doesn't mean other strategies aren't necessary.
1: Right. Or, or
2: you're, you're not going to prescribe strategies for everyone else. That's right. Is sort of what you're getting That's at, right. right. And I think, you know, it's, you know, it's th- that same ethic I think applied to some of the folks that maybe on the West Virginia side where, you know, I remember Doug telling me, you know, he, he, Doug called me, one of the West Virginia folks, and was like, why is Pete not coming to the White House? I don't understand. Like, yeah you know, we're, we're going to LA, we're doing this, you know, I don't, I don't get why going into the Trump white house is, you know, a a line in the sand. And so there were that, there were those feelings on each other's strategies and views, but at the end of the day, Pete and Doug are talking to each other, (laughs) they're breaking bread, they're hanging out, they're, they're laughing together. So, you know, talking about going fishing together. So, you know, the, I think what's beautiful about what, what happened in this story is you see. You know, real differences. People are not moving their views and their strategy and their opinions, but they're still building relationships. Right. You guys were still, that didn't take away the ability right. to. Wasn't be it a community. deal breaker. Yeah.
0: None of this was a deal
1: breaker. Well, it, it reminds me of, of something that I thought throughout this film, which is silos and echo chambers accomplish very little and they're very dangerous. So the more that we can get together and actually hear each other's stories, uh is going to be beneficial for us all like being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes those folks from west virginia i'm sure have never been to los angeles before they have no idea what it's like and i remember when you all went from los angeles to west virginia you go oh my god this could be like where we live because they're they're not that different that you're that's not right. on different planets that's right which is amazing to me one other thing you brought this up you know not going into the trump white house and the gentleman from West Virginia, what was his name? Doug. Doug, you know, saying, why is that a deal breaker? And a line that came up in the movie was, just because I voted for Trump, that's not the entirety of who I am. Now, you could say, and I think this was argued in the film, your vote is an encapsulation of who you are. Because at the end of the day, voting is a binary choice. You get everything that candidate stands for, for better and worse. And so ultimately, when he says that, Are you able to divorce yourself or divorce your perception of Doug from the way he votes? Mm -hmm. Or how much does that weigh into the way that you feel about someone like Doug? Yeah, I mean, that's
0: a great question. So I think the very first thing I'll say about that is Doug voting for a Trump... And an entire Trump influence – it's almost like a cultural thing to do. Like we are voting for that, right? It's Um, like an identity thing. It's an identity thing. Never meeting a Pete or never coming to South Central – Makes a whole lot of sense, right? Like, yo, Doug is going to vote. This is how we vote in this country. You usually vote like your parents vote, right? For sure. But Doug is forever changed mm. when he meets and walks with and breaks bread with and shares stories with, uh, stories of deindustrialization, stories of how when industry left, everything fell apart in West Virginia. And I tell the same the same exact story. From South Central, yeah. stories of addiction that ripped our families in South Central apart in the same ways in which they're ripping families apart in South, in West Virginia. When we do a power analysis that Doug doesn't know, we're doing in a power analysis, and we find that some of the same bad actors who are present. You know, the, the, the financial capitalists who are present in West Virginia are also present ah. in Los Angeles. And so when we bring all of those things to the table, yeah, Doug voted for Trump, but he finds quickly that, damn, our values are more aligned than they're different, yeah, right? Um, And, it, you know, it reminds me of that, that place in history, the uh, the populist movement, when – you know slaves were no longer slaves and white folks were like w- what does this mean for us and right not only what does it mean for us what do we gain if we come together right mm. and there was a there was a movement in this country right where black and white folks came together and were thinking about taking on the beast yeah what happened of course other white folks were like well, you look like us. Can we give you some land? Can we give you some spoils that we're not going to give them? And it broke the movements back, right? But we have that example to sort of move from.
1: As I'm listening to you talk, I thought of two other films, like, in my head. One is when Furious Styles and Boys in the Hood is giving the whole lecture to to the boys about redlining, essentially, and injecting drugs into the community to keep everyone oppressed. That's what I heard you describing, and that could just as easily happen in West Virginia with a different color of skin based on who we're talking about. Um, Additionally, I thought of the movie Bullworth, which is kind of a fascinating movie now in a post-Trump world because that's essentially the style that Trump got elected on. So when you watch Bullworth, you go, "Man, I hope there's a candidate like that." That's right. Um, and then it comes up, and you go, "Ooh, this was not at all <laughs> the, the way I hoped." But one thing he said in that movie is, "He's like, one day black folks and white folks are going to realize they have more in common with each other than they do with rich folks." That's right. And so that's what I hear you describing. Is that fair?
0: That is fair, and it has happened more than once in our history. Right. right? Um, I think that I think just the last uh, thing um, that I would say, it it was really interesting. When we were walking down these small towns in West Virginia, like Wealth, Welch and other places, because the only things that were open, you know, as a result of uh deindustrialization and the pharmaceutical companies were churches and um drugstores. Where in South Central Los Angeles, the only thing that's open and viable oftentimes are churches and liquor stores. Right. Right. And so There there were all these parallels and all of these points of convergence that we were able to share right, with our our colleagues in West Virginia. And when we went to Los Angeles, show them, that made everyone scratch their head and say, "Um, Hmm. there's something more than meets the eye
1: to our suffering. Absolutely. Brandon, I want to ask you, because that thread of the movie, when you had this coalition of West Virginia— and Los Angeles. That was the part that I found myself most captivated by. As a documentarian, as the director of this, how do you balance following Van in his process with this versus this sort of thread? Because one of the joys of documentaries, I think I read this in a review, is kind of almost like side quests that you take with, uh, with other folks because that can be the most rewarding, uh, part of it. And I, you know, I think of following Tylo around. Um, she's just immediately a very compelling character and someone you want to watch more of. So when you're making this, how do you balance between sort of the mission of what you're going for and then this part,
2: which you had to know while you were filming, you're like, this is good stuff? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think, you know, for starters, uh, you know, because there's lots of different ways a documentary is made. This film is, it's not a scripted film. There was no you know moment 5 years ago that we sat down and said okay you know <laughs> this is going to be a story of yeah, LA and West this, Virginia right? <laughs> or Van's you know c- collaboration with Jared Kushner when we started the film Van did not know Jared Kushner uh I did not no one Van did you know Van might have known you Pete but you know the LA West Virginia group did not exist at all none of these things existed so a film like this you know it's it's a cinema verite film it's an observational film and so you start with a question and, um, you know, that question centered around, you know, this this activist, this this organizer um, van um, and basically him putting out a thesis and sort of saying or, or a mission, essentially, that he wanted to see, is it possible to bring together, you know, folks, leaders from both sides of the aisle on some of these issues on addiction, on criminal justice reform? And so when you start with a question like that, you, you know, you buckle your seatbelt, you pull together an incredible team of of filmmakers, and you basically try to build trust and access to follow that as it unfolds. So, you know, as that happened, three things started to unfold at the same time. You know, on one hand, Van started to bring uh, the Los Angeles group in West Virginia together to form this this incredible coalition to combat the addiction crisis as that was happening Jared Kushner reached out to Van or Van and Jared connected um and this the the first version of the first step back started to emerge in the House of Representatives and it became this very uh lightning rod uh of of an issue in the in the political space and they were navigating the behind the scenes political fight of you know what does it look like to compromise what does it look like to bring Democratic leaders who have been fighting for criminal justice reform to compromise on a, a, on a different kind of bill. What does it mean to, to push away the right. far right, the Tom, Senator Com- Tom, Cottons oh. of the world and <laughs> Jeff yeah. Sessions of the world to, to make it safe for conservatives to come on board. And then while that political story is happening, while this grassroots coalition is being built, Van is also, you know, going through a tremendous, uh, you know, n- narrative, uh, you know, in his own right. He, Was, you know, recently coming, going through a divorce, his, um, which isn't, you know, profiled in the film, but that was happening for him. He, his mother was, uh, terminally ill. Um, as he started to form this partnership with Jared Kushner, a lot of leaders and movements on, uh, you know, organizations on the left started to express their frustration with him. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of alienation happening in certain circles. And so, uh, as a filmmaker, you, I'm following all of that. So I'm with Pete and Doug and what in West Virginia and LA I'm with Van and Jared Kushner in the Trump White House and I'm with Van at his mom's you know funeral when she when she's passing and you're you're building relationships in multiple spaces and to me the the beauty of a film like this of a story like this is the intersection of these different uh you know of these different worlds that you go in I I you know I I felt like the the story of uh, working across the aisle w- would only be complete when you could see that on a human level, on a grassroots level, in these you know, incredible le- you know, leaders like Pete's lives, in Van's life, and in these politicians' life. The intersection of those different uh, layers, to me, was, was what was most fascinating. Well,
1: I'll tell you, it's not every film where you see uh, Representative Hakeem Jeffries and Senator Mike Lee on the same side of an issue. Mm-hmm. That to me is fascinating because uh someone I work with extensively, he's a former state legislator here, he's also he was a former candidate for governor, he's got a brilliant political mind. He's on the conservative side, but he he's like, We have to work with Democrats. Like we have to do this. So this was a movie kind of after my own heart because bipartisanship is such a almost like a dirty word right now. Mm-hmm. And it's not enough for your side to win. You all, it, it's the goal almost seems to be to have the other side lose and not only lose but be humiliated in the process, which to me is just so craven. It makes me sick. This is no way to run a railroad. Mm-hmm. Right? So watching this, I know what this work looks like and it is unglamorous and it is mm-hmm. <laughs> in a lot of cases thankless. And I think about a friend of mine uh, former guest on this show who ran for Denver City Council, and one thing he said after the campaign was over, he said, "The people you think are going to be with you typically aren't. The people you have no expectation of them being with you are." He said, "So dealing with politics is always surprising, literally always surprising." And I saw Van go through that
2: extensively throughout this. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I'll just say, I think, as you see in the film, I think you know, the I, I tried to profile and spotlight different people who disagreed with van. So, cause I think that, that perspective is really important. Pete, you at various points, Patrice colors, uh, one of the founders of black lives matter, mm-hmm. you know, is featured in the film. But I think, you know, I felt that somebody like van throughout his entire career is very misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that's true with most social leaders. I think they're you know, we live in a world where, you know, things are reduced to sound bites and they're, <laughs> right. they're, they're bottom line they're, very quickly. They're, they're headlines, they're bottom lines, they're, and so, you know, what I sought to do with this film is whether you love Van Jones, whether you hate Van Jones, whether you have complicated feelings, he is a strategist, he's an activist, he's a leader who's taking a very, very intentional strategy that mm-hmm. has resulted in impacting thousands of people's lives who are incarcerated, formerly incarcerated and incarcerated. And it's worth diving into the nuances around that, you know, where is it working? Where is it impacting people's lives? Where does it fall short? And um, I think documentary film is a, is a way to, you know, give more space and time to understanding the complexity around these things in ways that a headline can't.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting to, to hear you describe Van as you perceive him as being misunderstood. And in this I mean, I I would say watching this, Van has an extraordinarily thick skin, um, which is to his credit. One of the criticisms I've read about this documentary is that um, people have called it self-serving for Van. How do you respond to that? Where I think the criticism is rooted in it feels like you're being too easy on Van. You just expressed that you don't think it is. But when people say that, what's your reaction? And then, Pete, I'm interested in yours with that, too.
2: Yeah. I mean... (laughs) I've seen a vanity film. I've seen a film that, you know, looks at a protagonist and, you know, exists to further that protagonist's agenda. Films like that do not show that protagonist struggling. They do not show that protagonist making mistakes. Mm. They do not show opponent, the political opponents are people with differing strategies and criticism and elevate those people's points of view in a way that gives, you know, a lot of love and a lot of light to, to, to those points of views, the film van and cut 50 and that team and their team, they are at the center of the film. So I can't, you can't change the fact that you have <laughs> right. a public figure at the center, but there's, a uh, in my opinion, there's a. Uh, there's a misperception that if you have a public figure at the center of your film, automatically that means it's either a, a vanity piece and a puff piece about that person right. or B it's a hit piece and you're, you you know, you're doing something where you're trying to just throw them under the bus. There is an approach and it's the approach we took with this film where you both are, you know, interested in, uh, interested and believe in aspects, a lot of what Van is after, but also are interested in looking at it in a really critical way that shows, you know, the faults, the weaknesses, you know, Van, Van gave us full editorial control over this film. And there's a lot of things in this film that he does not like, you know, there's, (laughs) you know, I've showed, I sat down with him, The he, he loves the film. He believes in the film as a whole, for sure. But there are moments where he's like, you know, it would be nice if <laughs> you didn't include, you know, <laughs> me saying this thing or getting in trouble in this way and or me, you know, at a low point. And um, and he opened the floodgates to that. So I would say to the people who see it as a vanity film, I'm not sure that they saw the same film. And I'm not sure that their preconceived notions about Van might have just colored their viewing of the film altogether. Maybe it's like and Pete, I want to come to you here in a second. But it's like. Maybe people
1: just found whatever they were looking for, right? It became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Whatever you think of Van, you can go into this film and probably find it and then overrate that part of it. But when you said you guys had full editorial control, it put in stark contrast, something like Michael Jordan's the last dance where he had final editorial control. And so people watch that and they go, well, yeah, this is Michael furthering his own kind of mythology in a lot of ways. And so, to hear you say that, I think that's an important point that maybe people don't understand, but you're finding yourself in a similar place that van does where it's either a hit piece or it's a puff piece. And you go, man, it's neither. We're just trying to tell a story that we, the best way we can. Exactly. Like
2: our art, art mirrors life, you know, in, 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 <laughs> in, in that, in that way. And I think, you know, many of the ways that, you know, van and van gets misunderstood. I think, you know, thankfully there are enough people that are understanding the film where yeah. that, that chorus of, of love and, and people are ambassadors is there but, um, you know, there, there definitely are uh, the people that want to, you know, paint this film in one light or the other. Sure. And the film was created as uh, almost a rebellion to that notion of, you know, putting this story in one camp or the other. This is a story about a controversial, you know, leader, and it's made in a way that's trying to... You know, to, to Pete's point, you know, about art not having a zip code, is that it? Address. Oh, sorry. No address. Okay, I'll Two. take it. Oh, zip code. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but I art, like that. it's a little
1: larger, but <laughs> I, I really like,
2: you know, I think that mirrors the mission of this film. It's, it's, it, it, we were trying to tell a story about a controversial, but very important, uh, you know, leader and, and create it in a way that invited many people with multiple political views in the audience and to feel respected and be able to have a difficult conversation, uh, you know, across, uh, across the aisle. If this was a puff piece, you know, Pete white who's sitting next to me is, you know, very critical openly about van and his, and his, and things that he took in the film. Pete wouldn't be in the film, (laughs) let alone sitting here promoting the the publicity and talking about the film with me. So,
0: I mean, yeah, if I could just add a couple of things. I think Please. I think one thing the audience needs to know is about the process, right? Um, and so when the Kramer brothers come to Los Angeles, Los Angeles is not a is not an easy place, right? Los Angeles leaders are very clear about what it is they want as an outcome from the film. And so Brandon and Lance we clear from the outset that this was not a van Jones puff piece. Right. Mm-hmm. And we were very clear. I was very clear that if at any point it felt like a van Jones puff piece that I would pull out. Right. Sure. And this was, you know, and, and I think this becomes important because there were always r- reminders of that fact, right? Like we have editorial control and, you know, You get kind of close when you're driving, you know, in West Virginia in the middle of the night, having these long conversations, right, replaying something that happened uh, during the day. And lots of things happened during the day. Was I always happy? No. Was Van always happy? Heck,
1: no. Clearly, no. no. Right?
0: Heck, (laughs) no. But what we understood and, and what sort of... What my participation and many of the other leaders' participation in Los Angeles sort of hinged on was our autonomy, right? Our ability to do and say what we please and not have that washed away. And so there was never, there was never a time where, like during the film where I felt, um, like it was a Van Jones puff piece. And there was a lot, let me just say, a lot was riding, a lot rides on this film for my organization's credibility, right? Sure. Um
1: Yeah, it's a real high-risk game you're kind of playing a
0: here. It's like even coming to the film festivals, right? Folks are like, "You're still doing that?" I'm still doing that because I believe in the strategy. I believe mm. in the tool. I believe that this um this vehicle gives us an opportunity to talk to folks we would otherwise not have the chance to speak with, right? Yeah. And so It continues that way. And so as both of y'all said, folks are going to see it the way they see it, but it would be impossible. No matter, no matter who you are, it would be impossible to say that's a total Van Jones piece, right? It would be impossible. I mean, folks can say what they want to say, but if you really watch the film, you're like, ah, Van Jones gets crunched in this film. a few times.
1: I I think he does. Um, Absolutely. And, you're watching him, and I'm going, man. Where does he go from here? Right. Like, because it, it's it, when he when he starts taking criticism from the left, mm-hmm. I, I I go, man. And he's like, I know I need to do a better job of reaching out, but he doesn't. It, it hasn't occurred to him that this could be a problem until it is. Right. And so that's like unflattering um as, as someone who is seeking to solve a problem. So, so
0: let me. I mean, just let me say. uh Let me say this. Uh, Angelo says, there's nothing of note historically that happens with one person, right? And so no one's really sitting around waiting for Van Jones to be the savior, right?
1: right? right. But
0: folks are waiting for Van, and we're, we'll just put Van Jones in the line. They're waiting for leadership that is responsive, right? Yeah. Um, that can listen and right? We're all human. And Van Jones, he, he's very clear in this film about what he wants to happen. But at some point during the making of the film, when your community comes back and says, hold on, you're yeah. going the wrong way. To me, that's where, that's where his, that's where his character, um, can be judged or his, you can, I can't find the words today. That's where an analysis of his character, happens. And you see in the film and it's nuanced, you see him beginning to move. You see him yeah. beginning to respond to his peers in a way where at the beginning, it's just about what I want, what I want, what I want. And it's a reminder that Van is passionate, but he's also human.
2: Sure. And, and you know, I'll just say just about Van, you know, you mentioned Michael Jordan and, you know, you are talking about, you know, his, his, his sort of, you know, leadership style just spending, you know, several years with him, he is the kind of person and you talked about him having thick skin, you know, it's not in the film as much, but Van's a religious person. Um, He's a, he's a person of faith, of of very deep faith. And, you know, I've talked to him many times where, you know, he sort of says, you know, look like my judgment doesn't come from, you know, you know, obviously he, I think he cares and wants to be in community, with other leaders and make sure he's uh, he's leading in a way that listens. But I think he, you know, he's a person of faith. And so his judgment, you know, comes, yeah. comes in that way um, from a, from a greater, from a greater force. And I think that gives him a level of resilience that uh, is, is unique in this space. And I think Van is somebody who he cares about getting people out of prison. And so when he looks at it, you know, he's a very uh strategic person. And so, when he started this journey, he was like, you know, how do I get as many people as quickly as possible out right. of prison doors? And for him, you know, he sort of, you know, he says, I don't know if it's in the movie, it was in one cut of the movie, but you know, I'm either going to be one over or run over. He's like, I'm going to do everything <laughs> I can to get this bill passed. And obviously you see in the film that has some consequences, but, but it also, but it also has consequences And you know, there's now been over 20,000 people who have come at, stepped out of federal yeah. prison and are now reunited with their families. And I've toured on this film festival circuit with several of them. And it's a pretty remarkable thing to be in community with somebody who says, I was you know, planning to spend the next 20 years of my life behind bars had it not been, not just for Van, but everyone who worked on this film. Yeah, for, for, for the coalition that was built. And to that
1: point, when you think about political strategy, early on in the film, Van talks about how white communities are now addicted to opioids. And he said, let's use that. How can we use this to do some good for our communities? And I wrote down two things about that. One, that's a very savvy political calculus that he's making. But it also made me sad because it's a recognition that minority communities are always subjugated to white interests. And Mm -hmm. until the problem starts hitting white America, no one necessarily cares. And so, A, it's savvy. But, B, it's also an expression of where black people tend to find themselves on the cultural
2: hierarchy. Mm -hmm. So reactions to that? Uh, I'm really curious. Uh, you, Pete's going to have a lot to say about that, but I'll just say that 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 <laughs> is, you're going to have a lot more th- informed things to say, but I will say that's an example of, you know, the kind of strategic thinker that he is, you know, and and sort of the way he operates, you know, uh, uh, in that I think he he felt like, you know, however it, you know, it it is a terrible thing, exactly right. what you're saying, that it takes this Uh, crisis affecting white America to make it an issue that we can actually take some action on. But In Van's eyes, he's like, yeah, that's a terrible thing. But if it works and it causes more attention, more resources, more help to the communities that he's been fighting for, even if it's like a byproduct of, you know, helping white America solve a problem. At least we're doing some good here. Is that at the end of the day, if it gets people out of prison, if it gets people out of addiction, if it gets people out of poverty, he's you know like let's use that. And I right. think you know obviously there, are, you know, differences of opinions on that, but that's yeah.
0: I think a couple things. So I would just say Van was not the was not the first
1: person. Of course not
0: to look at. Um, addiction being viewed in white communities as a public health crisis, but consistently being viewed in the black community as a, as a, as a crime crisis, right? Where in one community, it's about help. It's about care. It's about compassion. But in another community, it's about cages and locking folks up, right? The war on drugs, the the war on drugs, 100%. And so it was actually one of the re. it was the reason why I hopped on the film, right? It was the reason I believe that Tylo ha- hopped on the film. It's the reason why Virgie hops on the film, right? It is that political calculus. It's like, okay, now that the federal government, uh, America is finally looking at this as a public health crisis. Let's make sure that we get the resources yes. that go along with that in places like South central Los Angeles, right? The other thing, Um, it was, it was interesting. So one scene that didn't make it in the film that I will never forget. And so we're in the, we're in the courtroom. They have a, they have a drug court and we've had drug courts, uh, here. Well, we've had drug courts in Los Angeles before, right? And what are, this
1: this is the West Virginia drug court. This is the, this, I forgot. Yes. So
0: (laughs) we're, so we're in a West Virginia courtroom. Um, and they've just started this, what they feel is a revolutionary drug court model where instead of going to jail, folks are going through treatment. And then you had this entire, you had like 50 participants of this drug court that was ushered uh, into the courtroom. And the judge is there in his traditional robe. And as every person walked in, you were like white person, white person, white person, white person, white person. There was not a person of color in West Virginia in this drug court cohort. Hmm. Right. And the judge made everyone stand up and, and they were like, yes, you know, thank you for this opportunity. And the judge was like, we're behind you. And that struck me. Right. Because of course there are plenty of people of color in West Virginia. And so after That scene, we all went in the back and it was the judge and it was some police officers and it was the probation officers. And we had a very frank conversation, which I wished was in the film. And the question, the question that will never leave me, I asked the question, like, why do you believe this court works and where were black folks at? They didn't never answer the black folk part of the question. But they believed, and they being the judge, they being the probation officers, believed that the program worked and that it was essential that the program existed because these were their neighbors. These were their friends. Mm. These were their family members. These were good people. And what that told me was that proximity, right, Ah. proximity to the person or an understanding of the person on the other side of that gavel becomes important when you sort of meet out either care and compassion or a prison sentence, right? And so it was very power it was a very powerful scene. Like if there were ever like B roll clips that we threw out there.
1: Deleted scenes and deleted
0: scenes, (laughs) that would be Scene, that's at the top of your list. That's at the very top of my list. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I walked away and it's, it was not like an aha moment. Right. Because that exists. But to sit in this revolutionary program, mm-hmm. right. In West Virginia and have that honesty.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. It's that honesty. It's like, this is our family and this is how we're going to treat our family because their kids play with our kids. Right. Right. Turned on the organizing, right? Turned on the organizing. So,
2: you're gonna make me open the hard drive up again? <laughs> yes, I am. Yes,
0: I am. <laughs> uh, I,
1: I, something my wife and I say to each other when we begrudgingly accept a point is, "That's tough but fair," right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you opening up the hard drive, that's probably tough but fair. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God.
2: I mean, there was, you know, look, we, you know, we we shot this film over four years and shot about 400 hours worth oh, of torch. Um, and you had to take 400 hours down to 89 minutes. There are, uh, you know, a hundred scenes that are beautiful, you know, tear jerking, revelatory moments. And so it's one of the worst parts about being a documentary filmmaker is you, you're not just capturing these incredible moments, but they're incredible moments with real people. And, um, and there's a real hurt and pain that I know every other documentary filmmaker on this planet knows, which is, you know, both a feeling of these these gems not seeing the light of day at least in the final film, but also a responsibility to the su- the subjects in the film, the people in the film that you've captured something so beautiful and you you just can't by the sheer uh, you know, f- the physics of filmmaking needing to fit into this, yes, <laughs> this right. container. Uh, well, uh, Pete, question for you, you know, you said
1: you you were critical of Van and this First Step Act because it excludes immigrants. Um, I know you have a very busy life organizing in L.A. and you're involved in so many things. This film is called The First Step. For you, what is the next step? Do you have an interest in getting involved at the federal level again? Or are you focused more on your community? Where's the next step yeah. for you?
0: I mean, that's funny. Where's the next step? There's always a million steps, right? Certainly. And so. This film did not stop the work. Um, you know, as you'll see in the film, we already have relationships with federal representatives. Mm-hmm. We're already, I mean, we consistently are working towards policies um, that that's going to make life easier for folks in communities of color. There's still a lot of work to do in, I don't the criminal injustice system is just not fixable, mm. right? It devours. It has consistently devoured people that look like me, right? Yeah. And so even, you know, in the Obama White House, you know, Obama, in his first step, he was like, okay, we're going to change the ratio of time that people spend in jail for crack cocaine versus powder cocaine. Even him as the first black president Was not willing, could not go so far enough to say crack cocaine, powder cocaine is the same thing. Whatever the, whatever the charge is for either is the same thing, right? And so for me, what this means is we are continually going to disrupt this system, right? And, and I say disrupt the system because the same resources that go towards building more jail cells, right? The same resources that goes towards building the surveillance apparatus that goes towards build, like the same system that cages us and those resources could also be used to give folks housing could be used to figure out new jobs could be used to figure out real training that leads to real opportunities that allow people um, to take care of their families. Right. And so, that's the real journey, right? The Certainly. real journey is changing sort of this calculus. So to me, changing changing the social determinants of safety away from punishment, away yeah. from cages towards giving people a fair shot.
1: When the gentleman who was head of like – it was like a district attorney association or something said this was designed for punishment, I remember thinking I'm like, but Why? Like, I, I don't understand this need to punish. Are, are we not trying to help each other out? I'll bet you that gentleman identifies as Christian. And that to me is, I, I mean, I know there's a lot of hellfire and brimstone in the Bible and, you know, eye for an eye. And there's punishment sort of laid out in the Bible. But the Bible is a lot very contradictory mm-hmm. inside itself. At the end of the day if you identify as Christian it should be about forgiveness and helping thy neighbor and things like that. So when I hear you say moving away from punishment, I go, God, yes, let's please do that. Just as someone who wants to see society in a different way. So I identified with what you said
2: very much. Mm-hmm. Can I just say one thing on that front, which is, uh, I think Lawrence, who's the, you know, featured in that scene in the film represent is an important, very important to include him because he represents a part of, the Republican Party, the Tom Cotton, the Jeff Sessions that, right. you know, believe that, you know, lock them up, throw away the key, you know, harsher sentences. Um, and so I think that perspective is important. It's important that we as do as much as we can to push those forces away. There is, you know, and you see this in the film, there is a uh, a, a part of the Republican Party that are Christian conservatives that actually, for reasons of believing in redemption, yeah. actually support criminal justice reform. Um, you know, is, this, I just, is that one of the reasons Mike Lee was so... I th- I think for, I don't want to speak for Mike Lee, but Certainly. I think, I think, you know, I think it's, you know, I think it, it comes down to, uh, you know, a- you know, aspects of redemption and, 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 you know, seeing second chances as being important. Yeah. For fiscal conservatives, it comes down to, it's just a broken system that's just wasting taxpayer dollars. I'm not saying these are the reasons we should reform the system, but I think it's important, you know, we just screened the film uh, in Wichita, Kansas and, you know, it's a screening uh, that the Coke, uh, the Coke Industries participated in. Mark Holden at Coke Industries, Coke is, you know, was a big proponent of the bill and fought for it. However, you feel about, you know, Coke and 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 everything they're doing on other issues. Sure. On this issue, they've been fighting, you know, pretty hard to reform the criminal justice system. So I say all that just to say that it's. I think it's important to, you know, definitely call out the forces that are just, you know, terrible and doing horrible things to you know, only perpetuate mass incarceration. And then there are some entities even on the right that are supportive of this cause. And I think it's important to, you know, also try to nurture that relationship so that we can, you know, get more legislation passed.
1: Certainly we, in many cases, we probably agree more than we disagree, but you know, a lot of times we disagree on how to get there, which Mm -hmm. I think is important. We need to wrap up, but Brandon, ultimately your vision for this film, you're doing a whole film festival, Tour here, twenty five of them, I think you said. Where do you hope this ultimately lands? Like, if if you look back and say, this was exact, th- th-
2: this met the level of success that I had hoped for. What would that look like? I think what that looks like is the film, you know, being played in communities, in 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 schools, in at conferences, and um, in prisons and, you know, in real grassroots settings where you can, you know, watch this story and have a conversation afterwards, um, around, you know, it, it could screen in a, in a, in a very, you know, we had a screening in Philadelphia where I would say most of the audience were people that were formerly incarcerated and directly impacted by the criminal justice oh, wow. system. And that conversation was around, okay, how do we use our life experiences to advocate, to, to work across the aisle to, to find solutions to this problem that has completely, you know, uh, devastated our lives and our family's life, then we have had screenings in, like I was telling you, in uh, in in communities where Democrats and Republicans, conservatives and liberals are living are neighbors. They have to live next to each other. They work together in the same places, and the films having conversations around how do we how they how they strengthen those relationships and find more ways to come together. So. You know, we just finished this, you know, we're in the process of finishing this, this film festival tour. Um, we're in the process of trying to find distribution for the film. We're in Mm -hmm. conversations with, you know, different uh, streamers, different distributors. Um, I think this is a story that needs to get out there because there are not that many stories about bridge building. There's not that many stories about bridge building that look at how hard it is and where it works and where it doesn't. And if we, you know, Democrats might be in power right now and, you know, have barely by a thin majority, but what you just saw, what you just saw happen in Virginia, um, you know, we'll see what happens in the midterms. You know, the, the chances, you know, we are a divided country Yes, and we need to be having more and more conversations around how we find ways to work, work across these dividing lines and art as we've talked about, is one of the ways that can start a conversation when, when you've shed some tears, when you've felt sad, when you felt uncomfortable, um, when you've felt felt joyful watching a film like this, and then you can, it creates, uh, spiritually, it puts you in a different place where you can turn to the person next to you in a movie theater. And, and some of those walls, some of those barriers get, get dropped and you can have a different kind of conversation.
1: Absolutely. Well, as I said, this film, I adored it. Uh, it was, uh, I, I watched it by myself and it, I would tell you the first part of the movie where you're trying to solve a problem and work and build coalitions was very kind of romantic to me because this is the way that ideally Washington should work, right? Where people come together to solve problems. We may disagree about it, but ultimately we're all working to solve a problem. And I would say frequently we're so detached from the process that it doesn't feel that way necessarily, but you're showing that it does still occur. And even during a Trump presidency, which it's hard to remember things like this because there was so much noise uh, coming out of that White House at all times that occasionally good things did happen. And so I I was grateful that you brought that up. Now's the time on the show when we do plugs. So Brandon, Pete, um, I would love for you to plug anything you'd want. Pete, the work that you do in Los Angeles, Brandon, the film, anything at all, the floor is both of yours.
0: Yeah, I would just say um, thank you for having us uh, on your show, John, and... Uh, Um, If you want to reach out, if you heard something that we talked about today, sort of the spirit of organizing, you could find me or my organization at c a n g r e s s. dot org. That's like Congress with an A.
1: That is a a phenomenal web address, (laughs) I have to tell you. (laughs) Well played.
0: (laughs) There you have it. There you have it. We're also on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LA Can Network. Um, we just encourage you, if you're listening to this, watch the film, join the conversation, um, get angry, and challenge the state. I love That's it. That's what we say
2: love it. Um yeah, thanks so much John for having us and um, the the film we're here right now having this conversation in Denver, Colorado is the film is playing uh this week as part of the Denver International Film Festival, but by the time this airs, uh it might not be up on the Denver Film Festival streaming platform anymore. So If you can't watch it at the Denver Film Festival, you can watch it at the Hawaii International Film Festival, which is where it'll be playing through uh, Thanksgiving and I think, you know, almost uh, through into December. So the film is called The First Step. You can follow it on social media, on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at First Step Movie. Watch the film, uh, stream it at, you know, one of these festivals uh, share the film with your friends. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving is a, is a holiday where you find yourself, uh, you know, sitting down eating some mashed potatoes with maybe people you don't agree with. And so it's a good movie to, to, you know, seeing Pete, seeing Doug, seeing the sheriff have to work through that themselves. Maybe it's some inspiration to, to make Thanksgiving a little more, uh, graceful. Brandon, are you going to that Hawaiian film festival? I'm, that, the Hawaii International Film Festival is actually virtual this year. Oh, okay. So, um, un- unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, I did, I, no, <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately
1: not. Well, I'll tell you what, I will put links to all of that in the companion blog piece. That's at John of all Additionally in the show notes. So if you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Audible, any I missed, I'm on pretty much every podcatcher. You'll find it there. So Pete, Brandon, this was an enormous pleasure. Great film. Thank you so much, and continued success to both of you. Thank you for having us. Thanks, John. Really appreciate it. And that'll do it for Episode 310 of the John of All Trades Podcast. Big thanks to Brandon Kramer. Eat white for your time. Enthusiasm for your insight and for your candor. If you're the first step, be sure to check it out. They give you a bunch of links in the back part of that episode. You can find them all at johnofalltrades.us or in the show notes. Whether you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Audible, or wherever you get your pods, you can find it there. Please leave us a rating, leave us a review, hit that subscribe button. Brand new episodes come directly to you. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M.us. all manner of stakeholder engagement, public relations, content development, and also podcasting. In addition to this show, I produce six others, so if you've got an idea, I can help you get it on wheels, I'll showrun it for you, I'll produce it, whatever you need. D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. Our sponsor is Four Degrees, number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Anything you're doing online, Four Degrees can help you do it better. Reach people where they are. To online advertising, social media marketing, website building, email campaigns, whatever it is, Four Degrees has you covered. Number four, D E G R E dot e-s am out of here for this week. I've got a brand new episode coming next week with an old friend. I'm very excited to bring that one to you. This one is a long time coming. It's a long time in the making. And I'm thrilled to be able to bring it to you. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And until I hear you again, say good night, Gracie.